Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. Good morning. I love being with you. I love our mornings together or whenever you're uh, listening to the podcasts um, on the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News or Mother Miriam Live Facebook or uh, LifeSite News Facebook, Station of the Cross Facebook, all over the place. I'm so thrilled to be with you. And, you know, we began yesterday. We are three days away from the beginning of the Amazon Synod. I shudder to think that it's even going to take place, but it is. And so yesterday, in this month of the Rosary, I began to uh, take us through Cardinal Seurat's Cri de Cour. It is the cry of his heart. The Catholic Church has lost its sense of the sacred, and it's an exclusive interview with Cardinal Seurat, who is the prefect of the Congregation of Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments. It's by Edward Penton, an outstanding journalist with the National Catholic Register. And it begins this way. Cardinal Robert Seurat has said, the Synod of Bishops on the Pan-Amazon region, being a regional assembly of bishops, is not the forum to discuss priestly celibacy, a subject that is unbearable for the modern world because some Westerners can no longer tolerate this scandal of the cross. Now, I am going to, and I think, I, I, I think that maybe some of the magisterium, the bishops uh, all over the world have become insensitive to the incredible damage that is being done to the faithful. So used to scandal and debauchery and, and living outside the faith, um, I think much of the leadership of our church has little idea if they can even understand it or care to understand it the incredible pain that's being inflicted upon the faithful. It's just tremendous. I'm going to continue. And of course, um, Edward Penton has uh, interviewed Cardinal Seurat on his latest book, uh, The Day is Now Far Spent, which we had on the cover of our most recent newsletter this summer, The Day is Now Far Spent. And um, I'm going to continue from where we left off yesterday. Uh, The interview... Uh, right in the middle of Cardinal Seurat's comment, he says, even as everything seems to be in the process of being destroyed, we see the luminous seeds of rebirth emerging. I would like to mention, the Cardinal says, the hidden saints who carry the church in particular, the faithful religious who put God at the center of their lives every day. Monasteries are islands of hope, It seems that the fatality of the church has taken refuge there as if they were an 
oasis in the midst of the desert, but also Catholic families who concretely live the gospel of life while the world scorns them. Christian parents are the hidden heroes of our time. Oh, beloved, I absolutely second this holy cardinal's words. Christian parents are the hidden heroes of our time, the martyrs of our century. Finally, he says, I want to pay tribute to so many faithful and anonymous priests who have made the sacrifice at the altar the center and meaning of their lives by offering the holy sacrifice of the Mass daily with reverence and love. They carry the church without knowing it. Now, Edward Penton asks this question of Cardinal Seurat. How does this book, and that is um, The Day Is Now Far Spent, Cardinal Seurat's most recent book, how does this book complement your two previous volumes, which were titled God or Nothing and The Power of Silence? What does this one add to those two? Cardinal Seurat responds, In God or Nothing... I wanted to give thanks to God for God's intervention in my life. By God or nothing, I would like to succeed in placing God at the center of our lives, at the center of our thoughts, at the center of our actions, at the only place he must occupy so that our Christian journey can revolve around this rock on which every man builds himself and structures himself until he attains, quote, to mature manhood, to the extent of the full statue statue of Christ. That's a quote directly from St. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. The Power of Silence, the Cardinal's second book, is like a spiritual confidence. We can join God. We can only remain in him in silence. And then Cardinal Seurat says, This last book is a synthesis. I try to clearly describe the current situation and describe its root causes. This last book indicates the serious human and spiritual consequences when man abandons God. But at the same time, the day is now far spent, the title of Cardinal Seurat's latest book, The Day is Now Far Spent, strongly affirms that God not only, um, that God, I'm sorry, the day is now far spent, strongly affirms that God does not abandon man, even when man hides behind the shrubs in his garden like Adam. God goes in search of him and finds him, hence a glimmer of hope for the future. And this journalist, Edward Penton, then asked Cardinal Seurat, in recent years, the Church has suffered many controversies related to the questioning, according to some, of the Church's moral teaching by Church leaders, for example, on Amoris Laetitia, translated the joy of love, ignorance of the magisterium of John Paul II, which the pontifical John Paul II Institute has recently modified in a clear manner, efforts to undermine humane vitae, which translates human life, and the revision of the death penalty, to name just a few. Why is this happening, and should the faithful be concerned? 
Cardinal Seurat responds. We are facing a real cacophony from bishops and priests. Everyone wants to impose their personal opinion as a truth. But there is only one truth, Christ and his teaching. How could the doctrine of the church change? The gospel does not change. It is still the same. Our unity cannot be built around fashionable opinions. The letter to the Hebrews says, quote, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. It is good to have our hearts strengthened by grace and not by foods which do not benefit do not benefit those who live by them, end quote. That's Hebrews chapter 13. Because of my doctrine, says Jesus, my teaching is not my own, but is from the one who sent me. That's John chapter 7. God himself often repeats it to us. Quote, I will not violate my covenant. The promise of my lips I will not alter. By my holiness I swore once for all right out of Psalm 89. Some people use Amoris Laetitiae to oppose the great teachings of John Paul II. They are mistaken, Cardinal Seurat says. What was true yesterday remains true today. We must hold firmly to what Benedict XVI called the hermeneutic of continuity. The unity of faith implies the unity of the magisterium in space and time. When a new teaching, a new teaching is given to us, it must always be interpreted in coherence with the preceding teaching. Hold on. If we introduce ruptures, Cardinal Seurat says, we break the unity of the church. Those who loudly announce revolutions and radical changes are false prophets. They are not looking for the good of the flock. They seek media popularity at the price of divine truth. Let us not be impressed. Only the truth will set us free. We must have confidence. The magisterium of the church will never contradict itself. When the storm rages, Cardinal Seurat still speaking, when the storm rages, you have to anchor yourself to what is stable. Let us not chase after fashionable novelties that may fade before we have even been able to grasp them. Ed Penton uh, comes in again with another question for the good Cardinal. He says, to what extent, Cardinal Seurat, to what extent do you believe, as some critics do, that post-conciliar liturgical reforms have led to the current crisis in the church of which you speak in your book. Cardinal Seurat responds, I believe that in this matter, Benedict XVI's teaching is luminous. He dared to write just recently that the crisis of the liturgy is at the heart of the crisis of the church. If in the liturgy we no longer put God at the center, then neither do we put him at the center of the church. In celebrating the liturgy, the church goes back to its source. All its raison d'etre, its reason for being, 
is to turn to God, to direct all eyes toward the cross. If it does not, it puts itself at the center. It becomes useless. I believe, says Cardinal Seurat, that the loss of orientation of this gaze directed toward the cross is symbolic of the root of the church's crisis. Yet the council had taught that, quote, the liturgy is mainly and above all the worship of the divine majesty, end quote. We have made it a flatly human and self-centered celebration, a friendly assembly that is self-aggrandizing. It is therefore, says Cardinal Seurat, it is therefore not the council that must be challenged, but the ideology that invaded the diocese, parishes, pastors, and seminaries in the years that followed. This is Cardinal Seurat's thought. I know that many disagree with that. Cardinal Seurat continues, We thought the sacred was an outdated value, yet it is an absolute necessity in our journey toward God. I would like to quote Romano Guardini, quote, Trust in God, nearness to him, and security in him remain thin and feeble when personal knowledge of God's exclusive majesty and awful sanctity do not counterbalance them. That's, in Roma, that's a quote from Romano Guardini's Meditations Before Mass, which he wrote in 1936. Cardinal Seurat continues, In this sense, the trivialization of the altar, of the sacred space that surrounds it, have been spiritual disasters. If the altar is no longer the sacred threshold beyond which God resides, how would we find the joy of approaching it? A world that ignores the sacred is a uniform, flat, and sad world. By ransacking our liturgy, we have disenchanted the world and reduced souls to a dull sadness. Edward Penton comes in again with another question for Cardinal Seurat. He says, he asks, what aspects of the liturgical reform have had a positive or negative effect on the faithful, in your opinion? Cardinal Seurat responds, it is important to underline the profound benefit that the greatest variety of biblical text offers for meditation. Similarly, the introduction of a moderate dose of vernacular language was necessary. Above all, again, this is Cardinal Seurat speaking, above all, I believe that the concern, Cardinal Seurat says, for a deep and theological participation of the faithful is a major teaching of the council. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm out of respect for Cardinal Seurat's words here. I'm, I'm holding back on commenting too much so I can give you his, his words uh, and read this interview to you. Unfortunately, Cardinal Seurat says, it has been misused for agitation and activism. It has been ignored that the active participation of the people does not consist in disturbing roles and functions, but rather in introducing the faithful into the depths 
of the Paschal mystery so that they may accept to die and rise with Jesus through a more authentic and radiant Christian life based on evangelical values. I will insert here, beloved, an illustration um, uh, taking one of the women who entered our community. She had never been to the Latin Mass, and when she started going with us, she said her words, I hate it. I hate it. I love singing, and I love holding hands, and I love praising God, and I love um, uh, the involvement at Mass. I love our participation at Mass. And and we told her that there's no less participation at the Latin Mass. In fact, there's less distraction and a uh, increased deeper participation in worship, and she couldn't see it at all. But if she wanted to remain with us, that's where she went. And it didn't take her more than two months. She came to me and she said, I don't want to go back to the Novus Ordo anymore. She said, I have fallen in love with this Latin Mass. I never, ever understood it. But now I can enter into it in a much deeper way. It, it was, it was um, within two months, an incredible, wonderful transformation. People do not understand that until they really begin to experience the Latin Mass and to participate and make an effort to follow it and understand it. Cardinal Seurat continues, to refuse to consider the liturgy as opus dei, that is, as a work of God, is to run the risk of transforming it into a human work. We then enjoy inventing, creating, multiplying formulas, options, imagining that by talking a lot and multiplying formulas and options, they will be better listened to. Cardinal Seurat says, I believe that Sancrosanctum Concilium, Concilium is an important text to enter into a deep and mystical understanding of the liturgy. We had to get out of a certain rubicism. Um, unfortunately, it has been replaced by a bad creativity that transforms a divine work into a human reality. I tell you, this is a point a little confusing for me. We had to get out of a certain rubricism. Um, I'm wondering if Cardinal Seurat means the rubrics of the Latin Mass, uh, the Mass of the Ages. I, I'm not sure. He doesn't specify exactly what he means. He says, unfortunately, it has been replaced by a bad creativity that transforms a divine work into a human reality. The um, effective work of pedagogy, um, no, the contemporary, rather, sorry, the contemporary technical mentality that would like to reduce the liturgy to an effective work of pedagogy. To this end, we seek to make the ceremonies convivial, attractive, and friendly. But the liturgy has no pedagogical value except to the extent that it is entirely ordained to the glorification of God and to the divine worship and sanctification of men. Active participation implies—listen, beloved, Cardinal Seurat goes on a while. Don't tune out. I'm, I'm really trying to not explain much of what he says, 
I'm trying not to interject my comments. Um, I'm trying to read purely what Cardinal Seurat says. He is a wonderful and a holy cardinal who is deeply grieved at the current situation in the church. Don't tune out, beloved. Try to understand his words. He says, active participation implies, in this perspective, to find in us that sacred stupor. Listen to this, beloved. It doesn't apply in holding hands and singing and greeting your neighbor. Active participation implies, in this perspective, to find in us that sacred stupor, that joyful fear that silences us before the divine majesty. We must refuse the temptation to remain in the human to enter the divine. In this sense, it is regrettable that the sanctuary of our churches are not a place reserved for divine worship, that we enter them in secular clothing, that the passage from human to divine is not signified by an architectural boundary. You see, the architect of the new modern churches, there's no separation between the secular and the divine. And most of the people, we go in secular dress as if we're, if we're, we could go to the beach in the same dress. Likewise, Cardinal says, if, as the council teaches, Christ is present in his word, when it is proclaimed, it is unfortunate that readers do not have an appropriate dress that shows that they are not saying human words, but a divine word. This is a tremendous source of grief. I, we go to the Novus Ordo here because we cannot, we can only get to the extraordinary Latin Mass on Sundays because of our schedule. If I go to the extraordinary form, the Latin Mass during the week, I would not be back in time to do this program. It's too far away. So we go on Sundays, and we go during the week to the Novus Ordo. And we've gone to the cathedral, we've gone to noon Masses, evening Masses, morning Masses. It is unbelievably grievous that women go up in short skirts or tight pants, Men go up in in shorts, in jeans, in modest clothing, and read as if they have no clue what the scriptures are about. They are not even only not good readers. They are, uh, some are read as professionals without having any clue what about what they're reading. It's, it's, it's a travesty. Finally, Cardinal Seurat says, if the liturgy is the work of Christ, it is not necessary for the celebrant to introduce his own comments. Oh, it's not only not, not necessary, dear priests, it is a stab to our heart. You, you, de- you detract from the Mass. You disturb us when you introduce your own comments as if the Church is not sufficient enough informing the Mass. It is not the multitude of formulas and options, as well as the continual change of prayers and an exuberance of liturgical creativity that pleases God, but metanoia, 
the radical change in our lives and behaviors seriously polluted by sin and marked by liquid atheism. That is to say, we say we believe in God and live as if he does not exist. It's necessary, the Cardinal says, to remember that when the Missal authorizes an intervention, it must not become a profane and human discourse, let alone a commentary on current events or worldly greeting to those present, but a brief exhortation to enter into the mystery. Dear beloved priest, no jokes, no profane language. Lead us to God. We beg you to do that. Lead us to God. Cardinal Seurat says, nothing profane has its place in liturgical actions. It would be a serious mistake to believe that worldly, spectacular elements would encourage the participation of the faithful. These elements can only promote human participation and not participation in Christ's religious and salvific action. You know, dear, dear priests, dear bishops, I'm not sure that the faithful don't get this more than most of the priests today. We grieve at what happens at the Mass. We grieve at irreverence. We grieve at the priest's intervention, making a mockery of the Mass. We grieve at that. You're not befriending, befriending us. You're not becoming one of us. You are betraying your vocation, and it stabs our hearts. Dear priests, dear bishops, we beg you to take up your vocation. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. The Liturgy of the Hours is prayed three times a day on the Station of the Cross at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern. The Liturgy of the Hours is a meditative and efficacious way to foster habitual prayer. It is the daily prayer of the Church, prayed throughout the world by priests, religious, and laity. For details about each hour or more information about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. By birth, baby's taste buds are concentrated to the tongue and remain there. But at only seven weeks in the womb, taste buds emerge all over the young baby's mouth, allowing a wide variety of tastes, even before birth. Amniotic fluid surrounding the baby is flavored by whatever mom is having. Human life is sacred. Think about it. 
coalitionforlife.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, and um, what do we say? This is a pre recorded program for you. It's brand new, it's fresh. It is uh, October, oh dear, is it 3rd, I think? Um, and uh, just a few days before the uh, beginning of the Amazon Synod. So we have been focusing on so much written about that. Um, and the truths of our faith uh, and the necessity to protect your families and raise them in the truth of the faith. Um, so you can certainly email at mother at um, uh, oh, mother at the station of the cross.com. Let me say that again, mother at the station of the cross.com. You can email, but we'll have to hold our live calls until we are absolutely live. But this is fresh. And, and pre-recorded for you today, and we're going to answer your emails right now. We have an email from Fran, who writes, Dear Mother, I've just watched a live broadcast of your show. Today you read about the Pope's proposal on a globalized educational pact. I agree this is not biblical, but how do we get that across to those? who believe the Pope is in the right and are ignorant of this, of his non-Catholic sentiments. What I would say is, don't focus so much on the Pope as on the truths of the faith. Um, and it, the, the simplest thing that I can suggest uh, is that you go online and you um, do a search for Cardinal Burke and Bishop Athanasius Snyder, on the Synod of Bishops. And you will be able to download the errors of the Synod, the errors of the working document of the uh, Pan-Amazon Synod. You will be able to uh, download even a more recent document on their duty and our duty to correct error, even if it comes from the Holy Father. And so... Um, uh, they can read that. They can read that directly. Many, many, many um, pages on that. Also, um, the um, uh, Spock, the Society for Protection of Unborn Children has produced uh, an, under its head, John Smeaton, a magnificent uh, lengthy article, which you could also download. It's titled, Vatican's and Catholic Bishops, Promotion of Dangerous Teaching on sex education will add fuel to the raging fire of child abuse. You can download all of that, uh, dear Fran. Um, you should have no problem at all. Uh, you can look at the headlines uh, from LifeSite News, LifeSiteNews.com, and you'll find all the information there. Um, we have an e email from Mary Ellen who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, thank you for your life site broadcast in which you explained the Pope's new plan for the Catholic Church, which, which is to embrace and teach our children a new humanism requiring obedience to the UN, which includes abortion and contraception, to the UN's teaching. Thank you for sounding the alarm. I want to share with you, she says, um, I want to share with you some important events from Scripture 
and in the heavens, which have revealed certain dates. Hold on a moment. I have to sneeze. Oh, excuse me. Okay, let me see. I believe these may coincide with what you are saying about the new humanism, which includes worshiping. Pardon me, I got a cold. Worshiping the quote-unquote absolutes. Um, Well, I tell you what, um, I'm not going to go on with this email because she's identifying scriptures which are believed um, to identify certain happenings in the church and all of that. And this is not official church teaching. These are people putting together certain prophecies and um, projections as they see fit, and they may be right, but we're not going to take that up here on uh, Mother Miriam Live. So um, let me just see. Uh, Okay. Uh, certainly what's going on in the church today, I can tell you, is in um, agreement, excuse me, is in agreement with the words of Our Lady of Fatima, of Our Lady of Akita, Our Lady of La Salette, La Salette rather, and Our Lady of Good Success, uh, all from the beginning of the middle of the 20th century on. Um, and so um, we'll say that, and I won't go on with this email. Um, all right, we have another email from Christopher who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, how do I go about defending our Pope, our cardinals, our bishops, and the rest of the clergy against the tragedies of our homosexual scandals? How do I tell departing Catholics to stay, how do I tell Catholic parents to continue to encourage their children to pursue vocations to the clergy? Lord Jesus, please help us. Please inspire us. In your holy name, we implore you. Christopher, you tell them the same way I tell them, the same way Jesus told them. Uh, you know, uh, did what did what did the uh, eleven apostles do when? Uh, Judas defected. Did they say, how do we tell others to join us? No, they simply elected Matthias. They just said, no, we don't leave um, Peter for Judas. We don't do that. Um, No, we we stick to the truth. We stick to the truth, uh, to the truth of the church. Um, And so um, that's what we do today. We tell people that the church, it's a statement of Frank Sheeds, the church is the cause of the holiness of its members, but its holiness is not measured by their response. I'm going to repeat that after I blow my nose. Excuse me. I have no wall to hide behind to blow my nose. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to repeat that statement of Frank Sheed, a great apologist of the 20th century. Um, he said, the church is the cause of the holiness of its members, but its holiness is not measured by their response. Beloved, the church was founded by Christ, and the gates of hell will not prevail. This is true, no matter what age. And if you, if you, if you believe there's a devil, 
then you understand that that's what he's going to attack, the church. The scriptures say it in the end times. Uh, the, the enemy will divide. Uh, men's hearts will grow cold. They'll grow greedy. Uh, even the elect will be deceived. All of that. We're in the midst of that right now, beloved. It doesn't mean the church isn't true. It means that everything the scriptures say uh, has is coming true right now. And we need to remain true to Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. Beloved, we'll be right back after this second break. Don't go away, but you are welcome uh, not to call in today, but to uh, email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. There was no single event. It was more gradual. You know, eventually you just don't go one Sunday and then you don't go two Sundays in a row. Then went through a divorce and um, ended up being a single parent. If I didn't have church or God, I, I, I would be back at that lonely stage, that trouble stage. Whenever you get anxious and worry about things, you just know that Jesus has it under control. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living. There's no better way to start your day than with spiritual formation from inspiring priests. For details about upcoming episodes and for podcasts of past shows, visit thestationofthecross.com and click on Sermons for Everyday Living under the Programs tab. That's Sermons for Everyday Living, weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on The Station of the Cross. Welcome back, beloved, um, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. And um, again, uh, we cannot take your calls this program, but um, we can certainly uh, receive your emails at mother at the station of the cross dot com. And let me um, go now to an email from Roland, who writes... Um, Hold on now, let me get him. Good morning, Mother. Just wondering what your thoughts are on the Saturday Vigil Mass. Is this supposed to be mainly for people who would not be able to go on a Sunday? I think people may be using it. 
so that they don't have to go Sunday. Well, there's more to your email, um, Roland, but the answer is already yes. Uh, Number one, (coughs) you will not find a Saturday evening mass in the Latin, uh, uh, among the, the Latin mass, the extraordinary form, because the day of worship is Sunday. And while Sunday, excuse me, has begun uh, now, according to the Jewish calendar, the day starts at sundown the night before. And so the Catholic Church has adopted that in saying that Saturday night, which is true, is the vigil of Sunday, which is true. But that's always been the case. And um, and yet in the extraordinary form mass, you will not find a Latin mass on Saturday night for Sunday. Um, but in the Novus Ordo, you do. And yes, it was initially uh, only for those who cannot go on Sunday because they work and their boss won't give them the day off and they need to go to Mass. That was for extraordinary circumstances, yes. Um, And uh, Roland says, I think people may be using it so they don't have to go on Sunday. I think you're right, Roland, and that's tragic. Uh, Roland says, I hear comments like, by the time you go Sunday, you lose half a day. Well, uh, you don't lose half a day. If you're at church, you have gained half a day in worshiping God. And he says, another comment, if I go Saturday, I could have Sunday for myself, end quote. Well, the answer to that is, uh, you're not supposed to have Sunday for yourself. Sunday is for God. It is not for you. It is for God. It is the one day of the week God sets aside for himself, for us, to worship him. And then finally, another comment uh, Roland puts in, it doesn't matter when you go. Yes, it does. Sunday is the day of worship. And Saturday night, again, is to be only for those whose bosses will not allow them to go on Sunday. Um, I know of other situations where some people with poor eyesight or who are elderly um, cannot go, um, uh, well, no, um, I don't know why else they can't go. There are all kinds of reasons why they go Saturday night, but um, it, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And it, and Roland says, it seems a lot of older retired people who could go Sunday choose to go Saturday. He says, I know within my own family, I get pushback on this. Thank you. Now, Roland, if you're the head of your home, uh, you need to instruct your family and not give in to any pushback. You need to instruct them on not ordering them. Um, I'm the father and that's the end of it. No, you need to teach them why Sunday so they could teach their friends why they go Sunday, why they don't play baseball on Sunday and all of that. Roland says, thank you for your pure Catholic black and white way of talking about things. It is very refreshing, especially when sometimes I feel as though it is me against everyone else. God bless. Roland, you know what? When you think that, think of Elijah in the Old Testament. That's what he thought. And and God said, no, 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 Elijah, I got 4,000 who haven't bent the knee to Baal. So no, no, there are many. It's just that we're spread all over the place. So it's very hard to realize that you're absolutely supported. And make sure, Roland, dear one, if you have young children at home, that they don't talk back to you disrespectfully. Um be very strong and stern, not tyrannical, but teach them the way it should be. Or we have an email from Daniel in California 
who says, Praised be Jesus Christ, Mother Miriam. And he says, Do baptized Christians who become proselytes at the gate by keeping only the seven Noahide laws for Gentiles lose their salvation in Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. Um, um, there, oh, this is a lot to go into now. Um, these are the seven laws of um, what's called the Noah, uh, Noahide or Noahide laws. Um, they were, uh, according to the Jewish understanding of the Talmud, uh, given uh, to Noah as a set of laws for the children of Noah for all humanity. Um, not Jewish laws, but basically morality for all of humanity. And, of course, this predated Abraham, uh, predated the Jewish people, and there were moral laws. However, nobody is saved by those laws. Nobody is saved by those laws. So um, uh, Danielle asks, do they lose their salvation in Jesus Christ? Well, I don't know if they ever had salvation in Jesus Christ if that if they are, uh, if they once believed in Christ and they've been proselytized, they've converted, so to speak, to keeping only uh, the seven laws under God's um, laws to Noah, um, and they're no longer believing in Christ for salvation alone. There's no other name under heaven by which uh, by which we must be saved. And so, they yes, they would lose their salvation in Jesus Christ. But the fact is, you cannot lose what you don't have. Salvation is a process. Uh, Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 8, that whom he called, those he justified, whom he justified, he sanctified, whom he sanctified, he glorified. Salvation is a process. Peter writes, as we go on, uh, we are nearer to salvation than we've ever been. And those who persevere to the end will be saved. No one is fully saved until they're in glory. And therefore, the Catholic Church teaches, once saved, always saved, because you're not utterly saved until you're in glory, until you're in heaven. And you can turn from God. God gives us the freedom. He says, the truth will set you free from what? From death, from hell, from Satan. To what? To follow God. But we are not free to follow God if we are not free to not follow him. And so, yes, if we turn from Christ, we are not, we've taken ourselves off the path of salvation. And unless we turn back, we will be in hell for all eternity. That's what our Lord teaches. Excuse me. Again. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. Now, anyone who wishes to find out what those seven laws are, simply look up the seven Noahide laws, N-O-A-H, Noah-I-D-E laws, and you will, you will get uh, the full description of them. There's no salvation apart from Christ. Absolutely not. Um, okay. 
Um, now, of course, no one knew Christ in the Old Testament, but Christ's death is at the center of history. Those who submitted to the full law of God as he gave it, um, believing that he would bring a Savior, a Messiah, are saved uh, by Christ, not by the law. The law could save nobody. And again, we are after the law. And those of us who believe in the salvation, uh, the salvific death and resurrection of Christ will be saved. Uh, Nothing else. No other religion will take us to heaven. Absolutely none. The Catholic Church teaches that those, through no fault of their own, do not specifically know of the Catholic Church in the way of salvation, can, not will be saved, but can be saved. If they live up to the grace of God, they have been given because God will lead them further. They will say yes to him. Um, And that's true for Catholics. If Catholics are not saved because they call themselves Catholic, but because they follow the truths of the Catholic faith. And Catholics, like Jews of old, have more on this earth than any other human being. And if you call yourself Catholic and don't follow the Catholic Church, you there's no hope for you. And you have more accountability than anyone else. Excuse me. <coughs> My cold is getting better, trust me. <laughs> um, to whom much is given, much is required. And no one is more accountable for the truths of God than the Catholic on this side of heaven. We have an email from Andrew who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I am a frequent listener to the Station of the Cross 1060 at 1060 AM. I have been following your your program over the last year. I have some comments and overall concerns, and the concerns is written in capital letters, um, in reference to your stances and interpretation of doctrine and relationship to the Holy Father. First, um, Andrew says, I would like to express that I do agree that we are living in times when God is not the focus of the family and we are coping with the reality of secularization. I can speak for my local area in Boston that it has become less Christian. I support, Andrew says, and appreciate that you express the need for a return to the sacramental life of the church and the need to allow Christ into the hearts and minds of our nation. This is imperative that you continue to speak about and to inspire others to do so. We are experiencing as a church decreased mass attendance, less vocations to the priesthood, religious life, and even overall lay involvement. These are all realities, and the need to address them is essential for the survival of the Catholic faith. Hold on again. Okay. However, Mother Andrew says, I am deeply concerned that you have implied and even promoted the extraordinary form of the Mass as superior to the Novus Ordo, ordinary form. Um, 
Pope Benedict, when he initiated the motu proprio on the Mass, allowing for the extraordinary form to be used, he did not in any way call for it to replace the Novus Ordo Mass. You have promoted the need. Um, okay, so now that's one point. Um, and uh, you say, I'm deeply concerned that you have implied and even promoted the extraordinary form of the Mass as superior to the Novus Ordo ordinary form. Um, I do believe that, Andrew, I do believe that the extraordinary form is superior. I do believe. I believe it's more reverent. I believe it's more in keeping what God has given and what has been the mass of the ages. I do believe that, dear Andrew. Um, and again, Pope Benedict initiated the motu proprio in the mass allowing for the extraordinary form to be used. He didn't in any way call it, recall it for to replace the Novus Ordo. No, he didn't. But what he did was bring back the Mass of the Ages. Andrew says, you have promoted the need for women wearing veils at Mass and a return to a church that is long gone of 1955, which is not coming back. I have not promoted the need for women wearing veils at Mass and a return to a church that is long gone. The church is not long gone. It has been suppressed in great ways, in tragic ways. It is not gone at all. The gates of hell will never prevail against it. Um, Andrew says you have, and the women to wear veils, I do promote that. Uh, it's not a demand, but it certainly was always the case in the past, always the case in the synagogue, the case in the early church. And as um, Dr. Alice von Hildebrand says, uh, women do not wear veils because they are inferior, but because they are sacred. What is sacred is veiled, just like the tabernacle. Um, Andrew says you have, um, you have also in your program questioned the Second Vatican Council's documents on the Mass, on Christian unity, and a variety of other topics. I've never questioned the Second Vatican's documents. I have never brought those documents or quoted from them. I have not done that. Um, you seem to be calling for a more militaristic church and triumphant, which looks at the world as evil and to separate oneself from the world. Well, we need to be in the world and not of it. We do need to separate ourselves from its evil. Again, we need to be living in it and not be of it. Um, dear Andrew, there's the, our closing music. I will take up your um, email uh, on our next program tomorrow. I promise you that because I haven't gone through it. So we will continue tomorrow, beloved. God bless you. Keep the faith with every cell in your body. God bless you. We'll speak with you tomorrow.